Well, here we are, new term. Kids have been back to school a few days so far. We're in a new term and uh, we are also in a new series, which I will introduce in a moment. Let me just say that, you know, when uh, this all kicked off, so to speak, those, what, six months ago now, um, as a church, I rather thought that it was a bit of a pause. You know, we scrambled to get stuff off online and we've evolved that over time. But I thought, you know, it's a pause and we'll get back into the building and we'll carry on as normal and we'll resume where we left off. But, you know, uh, looking back, uh, I think we can all agree that that hasn't been the case. Uh, that actually we continue. There has been no pause. In fact, God is working in us and through us in this time, as I have said before, that he is still on the throne. But what I want to do as a way of setting up this new series is share a picture that the Lord gave to me a few weeks ago as we had, as I've mentioned before, our daily staff meetings, uh, prayer meetings. And uh, it was a picture of a book. It was a paperback. It was opened. And what I could see in this book on the left-hand side uh, was the end of a paragraph. It was, it, was a, it was a paragraph, and then there was a blank piece of paper. And then on the right-hand side, you could see the start of a next chapter. Now, I, I couldn't see what the chapter was called, nor could I see the number, but I, I got the feeling that we were about to start on this next chapter. And why do I share that picture with you? Well, because I think we can see uh, three things from that picture that I want to share with you. And as I said, set up for this new exciting uh, sermon series that we're going to be in for a few weeks. The first thing I want to just say is that the story continues. The story continues. There is more for us, for his church, for his people at the St. Albans Vineyard. The story hasn't changed. Yes, we're headed into another chapter and uh, with, with the arrival of a new chapter, you know, there might be uh, new plot twists, new scenes, maybe introduction of new characters, but essentially it's part of the same story. And what I want to say is that what is that story? It is to make Christ known. That is the story of his church, to fulfill the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? To make disciples of every nation. It is to proclaim in word and in deed the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That is the story that we are in. And that story hasn't stopped it hasn't stopped. We continue. We keep pushing forward. And, you know, we, we start this new term with those blended events that you've heard a lot of already, I'm sure. And I was at the Blended Breakthrough, a weekly prayer meeting last Tuesday. And I was unable to be on site, but I was online. And I, I, it was so wonderful to be blended together with those in the building and those online as we continued to fulfill the Great Commission, as we sought God together. And so I want to encourage you. Yes, it's going to feel a little bit different, but the story continues. The second thing we can see from this picture is that God is the author of this story. It's his book. <laughs> it's his story. We are the characters in his plot. You know, I want to give you some good news today. Are you ready for it? 
you are less in charge than you think. <laughs> you are less in control than you think. You know, Proverbs 19 verse 21 says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but, don't you love it when there's a but in the Bible? It is the Lord's purposes that prevails. You know, I often say to the team, you know, the higher view we have of God's sovereignty, the more that we can experience his peace. Why do I say that? Because when you realise it's not down to how good you are, your abilities, your works, important though they are, it's down to God and the work of the cross and how good he is. You see, we have to remember that as we look around us and we feel fearful, we feel scared, we wonder what's happening, we have to remember that God is the author. And not only does he have a plan for your life, but he has a plan for the whole universe. It's already written in his story that we find ourselves in. Did you know that 30% of the Bible comprises of prophecy? Did you know that? 30% of the Bible. And did you know that 80% has already been fulfilled? Such wonderful, almost just over 2,000 prophecies have been fulfilled already. Countless in Jesus and the work of the cross. But I'm no mathematician, but that means if 80% has already been fulfilled to the letter, <laughs> that means that 20% has yet to be fulfilled of this great story that we find ourselves in, his story. And lastly, what can we see from this picture? Well, in the picture that I had, when I looked at the book, that next chapter was near the end. How did I see that? Well, there was a lot before and not much left. Now, I don't know what number ch chapter it is, whether it's the final chapter or what. All I can say is we are near the end. We are in the final hour of church history. Actually, we're closer than that. Well, Mark, how can you say that? Well, turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 1 John 2.18. What does John say? He says this, children. It is the last hour, <laughs> and you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. Now, when was that written? 2,000 years ago? Let me just say, God is not slow in fulfilling his promises. If we were in the final hour then, then I tell you, the time is short. You know, I'm not going to be stupid enough to say when the hour is or the day. No man knows that. No man knows that. But we can see the times that we live in. You know, a preacher once said, plan like Jesus is coming in a hundred years. Live your life. Plan. But live like he's coming today. Don't you love that? Plan like Jesus is coming in a hundred years, but live your lives like he's coming today. And by the way, if you read the New Testament, if you read the gospel accounts, that is the exhortation. And in the epistles, that we live with the expectancy that Jesus is coming. And so why do I share that picture as way of an introduction to this series? Because what we're, what we're going to do over the next very short weeks as we focus on Jesus in this new term, 
is I want to unpack for us what God's story says about what's coming up. And I want to look at the subject of biblical prophecy. Now, we won't have the time, nor do I feel led to do a complete deep dive into everything. There are many uh, varying views on certain aspects. What I want to do is present to you an overview of what this story looks like. You know, we come from a, uh, we are a conservative evangelical church. What does that mean? We hold to those orthodox beliefs. And that's what I want to share with you over these uh, next few weeks as we look in this series and look at the amazing story that we are in. Now, you know, at this point, and I don't, have, of course, have the benefit of seeing your expressions, but I suspect some of you might be thinking, so, Mark, uh, what, what's the point of that? Maybe your objection goes something like this. Why well, spend time on something that we can't control anyway? And isn't it all just pictures? And why not just focus on today, Mark? It's a distraction. There's no value for us now. Or maybe your objection goes like this. Isn't that just a whole area that no one really knows about really and understands? And I mean, isn't it all confusing and just pictures and not meant to be understood? Or maybe you say to yourself this. Isn't end time prophecy a, a thing that crazy end of time people peddle? You know the ones with the boards around them saying the end is near. Didn't Jesus say you won't know the day or the hour? So, hey, what's the point? Any of those maybe you're thinking? They're fair objections, but for those objections and what I want to do for the remainder of this talk as an introduction to this series is I want to get you excited. I want to get you excited and expectant and hopeful and give you five important reasons why biblical prophecy is important. And may I say why I believe that God is causing me to focus on it at this time. You know, this has been on my heart for a long time. And the Lord has not allowed me to speak, but he has laid it on my heart now as your pastor, as I shepherd uh, this church to speak on this subject. Because God has something to say in this moment and in this season. So here's the five things, very briefly. Number one, all of scripture is important. 2 Timothy 3.16, when Paul was encouraging Timothy and writing to him, he said this, listen, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be, listen, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How does he start that sentence? All scripture? You know, I mentioned that the Bible consists 30% of prophecy. So you see, not paying attention to that is like saying, well, you know what, only 70% of the Bible is relevant to me. The rest has no value. Can I just say that's incorrect? You know, if we hold a high view of Scripture, which we do, that it is God's, God breathed, that it is truth, infallible, and that it is inerrant, what does that mean? It means without error then we have to agree that the whole counsel of Scripture is good for us. By the way, did you know that the way that Revelation starts, the book of Revelation, and I'm, we're not going to spend this series going into every single verse, but says that those that read it will be blessed. Did you know that? It's the only book 
in the Bible that starts with that, and it ends with the same. Number two, why is it good for us? It brings comfort, hope, and it brings security. You know, uh, Steve Nicholson spoke last week, uh, a guest speaker from uh, the Vineyard in the US, and such a great talk, if you miss it, you can catch up. And he talked about Jesus being the balm. And, and he spoke near the end about how we can put our hope in Jesus. And he said, why? Because Jesus is coming again soon. Is he really? You know, does it not say in the scriptures, look up for your redemption is, is near? And you know, I, I, when I watched it, and another staff member watched it before as well, knowing what I was going to speak on, we both said, wow, God is really speaking in this season. He wants to bring hope and encouragement to his people in this time. To say, look up, let me tell you what story you're part of, and how I am the author, and how you can find comfort in me and security in me. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul says this to the church in Thessalonica. And by the way, did you know this was the first epistle that he wrote? He says this in chapter 5, he's talking about the end of days. And he says, therefore, therefore encourage one another about this and build each other up. How can we encourage one another about the Lord's coming if we do not know about it? And again in Titus 2.13, he says, while we wait for that blessed hope, that is a phrase that the spirituals, as Steve Nicholson uh, said last week, sung of that blessed hope of Jesus our Redeemer, that he would come again. How can we wait for our blessed hope when we do not know what it is? And he continues to say the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour and Christ. This is our blessed hope that Jesus is coming back. You know, my heart in these talks is that rather than us being confused and thinking the future is an, a hazy end, that we are encouraged by the fact that Jesus is coming and that he has a plan and that we are part of his story. You know, the truth is we are in a difficult time, aren't we? I know that for many of you, the new term of kids going back to school and, and getting back into some semblance of work is very difficult. We know that the economy is in difficulty. I know that for many of you financially, it's tough. Let's not all lie and say, oh, everything's fine. No, things are hard, things are tough. But rather than us being scared around us and say, where's God gone? Is he, is he, is he forgotten about us? I want us to rather than being scared, be prepared. You know, while the world, and we looked at this before we went to lockdown, I quoted Mark Sayer, a pastor in, in Melbourne in Australia, said that, and funny enough, you know, Jay Pathak said the same thing a couple of weeks ago, a guest speaker for us, is that the world is looking for the kingdom without the king. They are trying to manufacture and create that utopia, but without the king. Why? Because man's heart is desperately wicked, as it says in the scripture. But here is the thing. Men without God will never be able to create the kingdom without him. 
because we forget that we are part of his story and he is the king. And so number two then, it brings us comfort and hope and security when we understand that God has a plan and we can encourage one another as we look up. Number three, why is biblical prophecy important? It builds faith and leads to worship. Did you know I've said already that 30% of the Bible is prophecy? There's approximately, and I haven't counted them all myself, I've done some research, two and a half thousand prophecies appear in the Bible. Now if 80% of the prophecies have been fulfilled, that's 2,000 which have already been fulfilled to the letter. To the letter. And we're going to look at some of those over the next few weeks. And when you see that for thousands of years God prophesied something through his prophets and it came to pass, you see the countless... I mean, did you know that the birthplace of Jesus in Bethlehem was prophesied? Did you know that? That the way that they cast his clothes with lots was prophesied. And you think, wow. Wow. God is amazing. We worship an amazing, awesome God who is sovereign. A God that has the whole universe in his hands. A God who has established the foundations of the heavens by his own counsel and good pleasure, as it says in the scriptures. Wow. You see, when you realize the sovereignty of God, when you realize that he has plans and purposes, we look up and we say, wow. (laughs) Wow, we worship you, God. It takes our eyes off ourselves and, and the lie of the enemy that we are the ones that are the author of our stories. And we look up and say, God, you are the author. You are the author. Number four, it gives us a sense of urgency to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, it's been said incorrectly, I may add, that those that are uh, heaven bound are no earthly good. Have you heard that before? Well, I mean, just look at Jesus and you see that's not the case. You know, we need a fresh awareness that the time is short. I mean, you look through the epistles and Paul so many says, times says that. Let me just share with you a, a, a story that I hope unpacks that. Steph and I and the kids a few weeks ago uh, went away for a week, went camping. We had a great time. The weather was great. Thank you, Lord. And we went to a place for the day and we put uh, where we were going in the sat-nav. And of course, I don't know, we were in Suffolk, had no idea where the area was. So, you know, you put the postcode in and you just blindly follow the, the, the navigation, don't you? But follow the navigation. And it was about an hour and a half drive away. About 20 minutes in, we come up to uh, a fork in the road where we, we turned off and it said, road ahead closed. I thought, well, that's rather strange because cars are still going down there. Well, we, you know, I don't know if you've ever done it. We'll, we'll go down there and we'll just see. It's probably, they probably just left the sign there by mistake. And we're carrying on there. Yeah, no, it seems to be fine. And there's another sign, road ahead closed. What? But cars are still in front of us. And we kept going down this road. And I, it was a long old country road. And, and probably after about 15 minutes, we thought, well, it's just, it's never going to happen, is it? But yet the signs were becoming more frequent. And all of a sudden, we get to road closed. We said, oh my word, are you kidding me? We've just gone down this road for 20 minutes. And we said to the guy, I said, 
We didn't realize the road would be closed. We just thought you'd left it out there. He goes, well, I'm sorry. We put lots of signs to tell you that the road was closed ahead. And then he let um, an ambulance through, car through, and some other. He said, well, hold on, you're letting them through. Obviously, it's okay on the other end. I'm sorry, you can't. We put diversions back on the other way. At the start, you should have followed those. But, but we, and then we start protesting. But can't you just let us through? I'm sorry. And you see, that's kind of how we live our lives. We kind of know that Jesus is coming soon. And we see the signs, and we're going to look at some of those in the next few weeks. And yet, that's never going to happen, really, is it? And we kind of just get relaxed, and we think, well, I'll tell someone about Jesus next week. Or maybe you are the person in the car, and you thought, you know what, I've got all the time in the world to think about Jesus, because I need to research, I need to think about it. Can I just tell you, you haven't got time. The reality of hell is as real as heaven. I want to say this. I've got good news for you. If you, if you, if you believe in Jesus and you've confessed with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you've said, Lord, would you forgive me? Then I've got good news for you. This world here... The stuff that we're going through, the sin that we see around us, the, the turmoil, the pain, the fear, it's as bad as it gets. Because your destiny is an eternity with heaven and we are here, but for a moment. But if you have yet to say yes to Jesus and say, Lord, would you forgive me for my sins and confess with your lips that he is Lord, then I've got bad news for you. This world the pain, the suffering, the turmoil is as good as it gets for you. Maybe you say to me, Mark, whoa, steady. Oof. Mm. Take a step back. You know, Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else. Why? Because he came in love. You know, if someone asked you for directions, he said, right, and you knew that on the route, if they took a wrong turning, they would head off a cliff and die. Wouldn't you say, listen, you've got to go down that road, but do not, whatever you do, do not go and take a right turn, because if you do, you... That is the loving thing to do. And so my... Listen... I want to say in love that lives are at stake. I've got to say that I feel that sense of urgency in my heart to proclaim in word and deed the gospel of Jesus because the reality of hell is as real as heaven. Now you might say, well, I don't really believe in hell. I believe in heaven. But just think about that for a moment. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and took the wrath of God upon him, paid the penalty of sin that was due us, what was the point of him going to the cross if there is no hell? Have you thought about that? If we all end up in heaven anyway, what on earth did Jesus do going on the cross? Wasn't that a waste of time? And so when we understand God's story and that there is an end to this current age that we see and there will be a new heaven and a new world, new heaven and a new earth, then it gives us a sense of urgency to fulfill the Great Commission. And lastly, I want to say this. Why a biblical prophecy? Because we need to be challenged about our thinking on God and about ourselves. What do I mean by this? I know that in my life I get to these points where subconsciously I think, well, you know what, I've got this. I've got, I think I've got this sussed, actually. 
I've got God nailed. I get it. I know what's happened. I kind of understand the scriptures. And you know, we all also sometimes, don't we, we look at other Christian streams and think, well, you know what, they haven't got it down like we have. We've kind of got it. We understand it. We're walking it. And we don't say it aloud, do we? We might not even use those words in our heads, but our posture of closing our ears off says it. If you're thinking this, that, well, I've got nothing to learn, and I've got it all, and this is... I want to say to you lovingly, that's just pride. I want you in this season to purposely, as we set off on this next chapter, I am intentionally focusing our eyes on Jesus and the sovereignty of God and encouraging us that he has a plan and purpose. I want to just encourage you to say, Lord, what have you got for me? What can I learn from you? Because let me tell you, when you take up that posture of humility, and a posture of, Lord, I want to learn more. I want to seek you more. It will position you for his grace and you will see so much fruit. So as I end, as I said, this is really designed this talk to introduce the topic and get us all aligned. Those are the five reasons why biblical prophecy is important and why I'm going to be speaking on it over the next few weeks in this time. All the scripture is important. It brings comfort, hope and security. It builds faith and leads to worship. It gives us a sense of urgency to fulfill the Great Commission. And lastly, we need to be challenged about our thinking about God. Let me just say this in my closing words and remarks that, you know, I believe that for many, and I've been on my knees about this for so long, that the next number of short weeks are going to be life-changing. And it will set our focus on Jesus in this next chapter in a new way. Your view of God is going to broaden. Your understanding of God's love for you will grow and your sense of his majesty and sovereignty and glory will cause you to worship him and you. You'll get excited and expectant at what God has in store. And you will feel an urge to get back and proclaim in the good news of the gospel to fulfill the Great Commission. And lastly, I want to say this. If you are watching me now or maybe on a Sunday morning or catch up and you haven't said yes to Jesus, you haven't confessed your sins, I want to say as clear as I can, Jesus died on the cross for you. It's not about how good you are. You, if you're waiting to get to some level of, well, I'm good enough now, I can go and see you, that will never happen. But that is the good news because you'll never be good enough. You know, as Paul says, all of our righteous acts are just filthy rags. We have all, me and everyone, fallen short of the glory of God. That is why God the Father sent his Son to be that perfect sacrifice for you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, raise your virtual hand. The team would love to pray with you. I'd like to pray as we end. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our author and perfecter of our faith, as it says in the scriptures, Lord, that you have plans and purposes for each one of us. That none of this, that the chapter that we find ourselves in has taken you by surprise, but indeed you are the author. That, Lord, this is your story. That we are yours. And, Lord, I pray that you would just rise in us a hunger to understand what you have for us. Lord, would we be excited, would we be expectant
expectant for all that is coming. I pray this in your precious name. Amen.